Welcome to episode number 108 of the Civil Engineering Podcast, the first podcast dedicated to helping civil engineering professionals succeed in work and life. I'm your host, Anthony Fasano. I'm a licensed professional engineer who practiced as a civil engineer, but eventually decided I wanted to focus more on inspiring engineers rather than doing the engineering myself. So since then, I've written a book entitled Engineer Your Own Success and have traveled the world helping engineers through this podcast. Myself and my co-host, Chris Knutson, try to bring you information that can help you succeed in every episode. I've also had the absolute honor of authoring the American Society of Civil Engineers Careers and Leadership column for the past few years. Now, here's a short preview of this episode, during which I'll be speaking with Lisa Roger, who is the CIO at Dewberry. For me, information technology needs to be enabler. It needs to be a partnership with the line and the business. We are here to help them win business, Mm. help them execute business. That's our job. My co-host Chris and I both believe that in order to be the best civil engineer you can be, you must be consistently getting better, getting better at your craft, your people skills, and as a leader. And that's why we publish this free podcast to help you do just that. As mentioned in this episode, you will be listening in on a conversation that I had with Lisa Rogers, CIO of Dewberry from their corporate headquarters in Fairfax, Virginia. And actually, this is the first episode of the Civil Engineering Podcast that we are also broadcasting in video form on our YouTube channel at the Engineering Management Institute. And I'm excited about this episode because we all know that civil engineers and IT professionals sometimes have that love-hate relationship, right? As civil engineers, we always want more in, in terms of the software we're using. We want the latest versions. We want everything to work perfectly. And then on the IT side, they have to give us all that, and well, which I understand can be a pressure-filled job on their end. So Lisa really digs into that from a really, really powerful perspective. And before you hear from her, let me tell you a little bit more about Lisa Roger. Lisa brings 29 years of extensive experience in all facets of technology and IT operations, including project management, data center management, cybersecurity, employee management, planning, assessment, integration, restructuring, reorganization, and process improvement. She is responsible for all facets of Dewberry's technology and IT operations. She has significant experience with complex negotiations, employee management and development, integration, restructuring, as I said earlier, and really you'll see in this interview that she is really overseeing everything in terms of IT and how it integrates with the engineering professionals. Before we get started, this is a free show. And our sponsors help us keep it free. So please, I ask you to support them. And now I'd like to recognize our sponsor for this episode, PPI, by reminding you to listen up later on in this podcast for my advice on how to advance your career in 2019. I'll be sharing info on where to find practical tips and time-tested resources for your civil engineering licensure exam, including an exclusive 20% discount available only to listeners of this podcast. Don't miss it. I also want to mention that this is the first episode of 2019. So happy new year to you. And we've got some big things coming out this year to help you as an engineer, to help you be an effective engineering manager. And one of them is the assessment tool that we've been building. This assessment tool will help you as an engineer to understand your current management potential based on your current skill sets and where you can improve to become a better manager. I'm so excited about this assessment tool. We've done a tremendous amount of research on it. 
We've done surveys. We have an analytics company involved. And what I'm going to be letting you in on here through some of the podcast episodes this year is just what we're finding out in our research in what makes effective engineering managers. And in fact, we found four key drivers that I'll kind of dive into as we move forward through this first quarter of 2018. And our goal is to have the assessment tool launched in Q2 of 2019. All right, enough of that. Let's dive into our civil engineering conversation with Lisa Roger, CIO of Dewberry. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. All right, now it's time for our civil engineering conversation of the week. And today I'm excited to be here at Dewberry with Lisa Rogers, CIO. Lisa, welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here today. Yeah, I'm excited because we've done over 100 episodes, but we haven't really talked about the topic of IT, which, you know, me practicing as a civil engineer for many years know that that's a very important relationship in these firms in terms of the IT professionals and the civil engineering professionals. So we're excited to jump into that. So Lisa, before we get started, just give our audience a little idea. I mean, Obviously, you're the CIO, but what does that mean in terms of your responsibilities here? Yeah, it's a great question. So I think everybody's aware of some basics, like keeping the lights on when it comes to your information technology, everything yes. from your laptop to making sure you're access to the data. Do, do your phones work? Are you getting your voicemail? Are your WebEx meetings set up properly right. in your calendar invites? Are, are all of these things happening? And as a, as a matter of fact, when we don't get calls, we know we're doing our job right. well, when we're not being bugged. But, you know, all of that kind of maintenance of stuff you shouldn't have to think about but are essential to getting through your day. And then more serious things like data integrity, security, and security from not uh, what we all think of in the IT world around cyber. Cyber. Um, But also that has now bled into a much bigger definition with social engineering and even physical security. So often our scope is now uh, broadening beyond just your basic, you know, maintenance and hygiene around uh, IT and infrastructure. Yeah, it's interesting because I would think like the IT industry or your job continues to get changed and maybe get more complex day to day as technology improves and increases and, you know, there's different threats and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure that that keeps you on your toes. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Always got to have to have your ear to the ground and uh, looking for uh, new enablers, disruptors, uh, what's going on with our competitors and what are our vendors providing for us in the way of technology. So, uh, yes, we have to be aware of that as well. And so it's a very complex role. And it touches the entire organization. Every facet of the organization is touched by IT. So sure. it's critical. One other thing in this regard that might be helpful for the listeners, just in terms of the size of the company yeah. in your department, just so they understand sure. that. Could you just talk about that a little bit? Here at Dewberry, we have 2,500-ish sure. yeah. uh, employees. We talk about a uh, number of people when it comes to IT and supporting the number of people. And then in our infrastructure, our IT infrastructure team, we have about 40 individuals that wow. span from you know your help desk folks to folks that are helping, helping with training and sure. bringing on of new technology to infrastructure, data center, security, asset management, ERP, that's another whole team. You know, ERP is your financial systems. That's, right. you know, helps you Very with, you yeah. know, managers with PL and our accounting folks sure. and making sure everybody gets paid, yeah. all that good stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> Slightly important. <laughs> Tiny bit. Uh, yeah, so um, all of that's 
our scope of okay. when it comes to tactical things, okay. uh, categories. Yeah, and I asked that because we did get a few questions from our listeners, which we'll talk about later. And some of them were, I think, it kind of depended on the size of their company, some of these questions, Absolutely. of course, because, you know, IT can range in terms of responsibilities based on the size of the firm. But we'll get into that later. <laughs> what I want to talk about now, which is important, which is really one of the reasons that I'm here with yeah. Lisa, is because... I've heard just from working with some people here at Dewberry that you're very different than someone who is typically in a CIO or in charge of IT responsibilities in terms of your philosophy. So yes. talk to us about your philosophy in terms of IT. I would love to because that's kind of where my passion is. Um, I did not grow up as your normal IT guru uh, type <laughs> person. I, I don't do gadgets. Like, you know, I have to have some my own team. My, my famous saying is, I wish I knew an IT person when something goes wrong <laughs> uh, because, you know, I'm not the person to fix the WebEx in the conference room when it right. goes down. So, but my background is more of uh, business, uh, chasing business, winning business, and executing business. I was a, a, a program manager and uh, actually run, ran a large uh, commercial cybersecurity program where we were selling. So I was on the road doing sales and executing business. So, and I've owned two companies as well. So that wow. I come from that background of delivering. And so for me, information technology needs to be enabler. It needs to be a partnership with the line and the business. We are here to help them win business, mm. help them execute business. That's our job. One of the very first things I normally do when I come into an organization is lay uh, two basic rules. One, everything we do has got to add value, and it has to do it um, in a way that enables business. And two, you're not allowed to use the word no or policies when you're interacting with a customer. In many ways, it's extremely scary for right. our IT professionals <laughs> because they're used to relying on the word no, and can't the, the word no. can't do that because IT policy says you're not allowed. Right. So, but what that forces us to do is listen to our business partners and figure out, well, what is your real requirement? Hmm. It could very well be that I'm not going to let you do it the way you want to do it, right. but my job is to enable you and get you to where you need to do the quickest, most efficient uh, way that I can. So my philosophy uh, around what is our role in IT, our role is to be that bulldozer, to yep. make sure you are you don't need to call us because there's an issue, sure. and that you have the tools, and, and again, we're here to enable you to win. We're here to enable you to execute flawlessly so that you can pay our salaries. Hmm. So that's our job that's, in a nutshell. Yeah, that's great. And I, you know, I appreciate that, especially from someone who worked as a civil engineer for probably almost 15 years because, you know, a lot of times there is the struggle between the civil engineering professionals and IT professionals, you know, for sure. obvious reasons. I mean, you know, engineers want the programs to work and have all the latest and greatest things. But as right. IT, you have a lot of things you're juggling. You're trying to keep up with everything. You're trying to cover everything. But I understand now, based on your philosophy, you know, what I think makes you probably really good at what you do and makes you different than other people because anytime someone understands how to sell, business and mm -hmm. understands that that's really the life cycle right. of a company, the yep. bottom line, right? Because you can't do anything Absolutely. without your revenue, then that can totally change your approach, right? And it makes you understand that you need to be able to facilitate business growth through IT. That's exactly that, right. That, and, it, and it starts with the most basic thing that your mom taught you. You know, you, you got to listen, right. you know, you got you right. two of these, one of these. So it's very important that you listen to what, what is it we're trying to accomplish here? Because Actually, IT people in general are some of the most creative, smart, clever people you'll ever meet in your life. And if you give them the environment where they can use that creativity, you'll be amazed at the solutions that they can provide to business. 
actually, it's a really fun evolution to watch yeah. uh, an organization go from the talk to the hand, sorry, right, the policy right, right, says right. we're not allowed to help you with that, to having these sit-down conversations, even being allowed to leave the basement. And that that was a big thing, too. Um, usually in organizations, IT, you know, you leave them in the basement and, sure. and you don't, you slide pizza under the door. Right. You, don't yeah. put, you don't put them in front of, yeah. you know, folks. Well, when you actually get them out and have them go to the different uh, offices and sit down with our business partners and watch them work and watch their struggles. And then all of a sudden, you know, the light bulbs start going off and you can watch their, you know, creativity and, and watch the solutioning happening. But it, all of that liberty has to be there. All of that environment where you, right. where they're allowed to have that conversation and where that, that exchange is an equal exchange. So there's that first part of just breaking down the walls and yeah. then creating an environment for success. Yeah, no, that's great. And so I would imagine that you put effort into getting interaction between your IT professionals and the engineering professionals, is that? Absolutely, okay. absolutely. I'll give you a, a case in point. We just, like many firms, uh, recently went through a budget cycle and where uh, in the past, and this is true for a lot of companies, each different area was responsible for their own uh, budgets when it came to what they needed from a capital perspective. Right. But for the first time, IT actually sat down with each manager and talked about what was going to happen next year? What is your growth going to be like? Hmm. Are you going to be adding people? Is there any new customers you're going after this year? Are you wow. doing something different that you didn't do before? So having just some you, basic questions that we have, very general questions that opened up the dialogue for the business partner to share with us, you know, what their plans and aspirations were for the next year to see. And then for us, it triggered a bunch of internal questions. So instead of saying, hey, how much data are you going to use next year? You know, right. Who knows how to answer that, right? Yeah. But hey, are you going to be getting into LIDAR or drones or any kind of big data? Are you going to be doing more mapping? Are you going to be doing less of that? Is your customer changing from federal to state and local? Do they have different requirements? Asking business questions, we can answer the technical requirements from that. Right. Uh, but often IT in the past will, will have made mistakes of asking the business partner for technical requirements versus what are your business requirements. So we need to make data-driven decisions, sure. but based on business requirements. Yeah. Business should drive technology. Technology should not drive business. Hmm. That's great. That's a tweetable, by the way. <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> Um, but uh, what I like about this as well is that this is not a strategy that you can just say, oh, that's great, we're going to do that at our company, because it has to happen from leadership. They have to understand the knowledge of sales and how the business works, and I think that's important. And there's nothing against traditional you know, IT leaders, but many of them are very technically driven, of course, they are. very program-oriented, and you know, that's just the way that they were educated, of course. And so, unfortunately, they don't have the sales background and they don't understand how the actual engineering company thrives and works. And so I think, you know, you bringing that to the table is great. So what we're going to do here is we got some good questions from our listeners. Lovely. And I'm going to go through a couple of them here for Lisa and get her insights on these. All right. So first one here, Lisa, how do you decide which new software will be implemented? Who has a seat at the table in the decision-making process? Okay, fantastic question. Software is expensive. All right, just to be clear, software is sure. very expensive. And this is actually, you know, from an owner's, a stock owner's, uh, whoever owns your corporation uh, perspective, often is the most overlooked part of the company. It is 
I would say a good 45% of our budget, our IT budget is software licenses and maintenance. Wow. Over, I think we have over 400 different products that we deal with here. Wow. So, you know, for us, there's been this evolution of the customer needs. We're just going to go buy it. We're going to deal with it and on our own little island and we're going to make it work. And, you know, maybe we'll tell IT it happened, and, you know, but we got to get the mission done, right? To now it's more of a partnership. And it's that, again, it's that question. Imagine half of your IT budget, but there's absolutely not one person running that whole program around mm -hmm. software. So we needed to like totally refocus where our efforts were and put talent that actually understood the engineering world into that segment so that we could have that crucial conversations yeah. with our business partners as to prime example was, hey, we need this, um, you know, crazy XYZ right. uh, scheduling software. Right. Like, oh, did you happen to know we have an enterprise agreement with Microsoft Project and we also have Primavera right. and we, you know, and, and you start going through, uh, you know, could these things help you? And having that conversation, bringing in a vendor to do a demo, all of that with IT coordinating those enabling conversations and again, critical conversations. What are the requirements so that we can solve the business problem in a way that you want to be good stewards, right? We want to be good stewards, right. um, but you also want to use the power of the collective. So 2,500 people is a lot of people and we have a lot of bargaining power with that. So yes, it's the relationship with the end line uh, person who's going to be using right. the product, but it's also the other critical part is the relationship with the vendors. And this often goes unlooked too. We're writing some big checks to these vendors. Yeah, so, sure. you know, having those relationships, everything from, you know, how do we skin this cat better, getting them into that problem solving mm -hmm. mode to uh, what can you do for me today? So, again, I'm writing a big check for you. Can I get some free training? Can you help enable us on a project, you know, help right. solution stuff? And, and what do you have already? Like yeah, you said, what exactly. do you have already? Maybe we need better training. Right. Is there a menu or... item we're not using that could open up the door and, yeah. and let us, all of that kind of stuff. So, it's being that, again, that listening, that partner that will help enable find the solution. Doesn't, 400 products, obviously, we are, we're not an expert on 400 products, right. but we need to be um, skilled enough to be able to understand the requirements and help find the solution so that they can keep working and they're not the ones that are having to do that. But that's something in terms of the decision-making process, that, is that something that would get to you, and then if it's a big enough purchase, you would have to go to budget. So I am. I try not to be a roadblock. Me yeah. personally, yeah, obviously, if it's a big check, right, right, right. I'm involved. Um, I like to be at the table with the vendor and getting right. the best deal and all of that. Okay. But um, if it's something new, but I guess when my it, question yeah. is: Let me make it more sure, clear. Sure. How do you avoid an engineer going and buying a program without? I like. Do you have some? Oh, kind I have of, controls now. Okay. <laughs> so there's some kind of policy in place. That well, we, we have technology in place that if okay. you try to do something that you're not supposed to, I'm going to know about it. Okay. But, but in the past, that wasn't the case, and so right. um, they had their own. You know, and and other, a lot of organizations are set up this way too. Especially when you're trying to run fast, you you give your end users access to what we call the right. administrative world. Because you don't want to slow. Yes, them down, you don't want to slow them down. But uh, we're mature enough and. Our organization that we do have so many products and there is a service catalog that they can pick from oh, okay. which won't necessarily slow them down and they're more mature in their organizations as well so they already kind of have 97 percent of what they need so right. it's the three percent that pops up once in a while well we're we have a dialogue it's manageable for us at this level okay yeah that makes sense and i think one of the takeaways there regardless of what size your company is if you're listening is i like this idea of a catalog because I think you're right in that a lot of times you have programs that will fit the need, but right. people don't know about it, and they see something that's new and shiny and they want it, right? Yeah. It's like I tell my young kids, 
Dad, I want this new toy. I'm like, but you have something very similar in your playroom you haven't played with in six months. Did right. you know that it serves the same purpose? Like, oh, really? I, I didn't know that. Right. So I think that's important in terms of IT because we can't just keep collecting things, right. paying for new things, right. and not utilizing the resources that we have. Exactly. And the I, I guess the other element to that as well, sometimes you have customer-driven requirements that are not, you know, an engineering whim, right? So you, you might have a local client that is requiring a very specific program that they already use. Right. And you have to make that purchase and, right. you, and you have to go go there with them. But you, IT still needs to be involved with that. So helping to get a good deal and even up front before you sign the contract with that client, can we negotiate them paying for it? Right. You know, things like that. Often when you're in the line, you're you're thinking about the engineering requirements of getting a contract done. You're not often thinking about what are the IT requirements for me delivering to this customer. And that needs to go into your basis of estimate, needs to go into your cost analysis, needs to go into how much profit you're making. So again, what I'm trying to do is be that business partner to get the end business person to think total profit and loss, total holistic, what does it cost to do a program right. or to deliver so that we can address that up front and, and yeah. make smart business decisions. And you can tell that Lisa is very business savvy because I've heard the word deal like 10 <laughs> times already. I've never talk, I've talked to a lot of IT professionals. I've never heard the word deal. I make a deal. So it's obvious that you know she's very focused on the business side of things. All right, another question here. Sure. How much do you rely on out-of-the-box software versus software you've customized in-house? If you are using some of the out-of-box software programs, how do you help employees acclimate and get up to speed on them? So Okay, so commercial off-the-shelf all day long. Okay. So we want to go there as much as we possibly can. Whenever you do anything customized, that yeah, first off, its shelf life is, is short. Yeah. Who's going to develop it? Who's going to maintain it? When something goes wrong, the security around it, because I'm a security person yeah. at heart, um, all the red flags go off. You know, how, is it compliant? You know, everything from 508 to cyber concerns around compliancy to just who's going to maintain it and how's it going to work and, you know, who's going to develop it. Uh, all of that can get very, you might have the perfect plan going out the gate, but six months down the road when the person who developed it has moved on to another project or, you know, another uh, company even, then, right. then you're left with this, what do we do with it? And it, then it often comes back to IT to figure it out. Yeah. Um, okay. so, so if we can, shelf. we off the shelf, if we can, again, that's where you, you have those crucial conversations to help figure out what are you really trying to get accomplished. Right. because trust me it's out there yeah. it's out there there's something out there right. that can we can this. we can enable it yeah. yeah and then in terms of like getting people up to speed on new softwares what is yeah. what's that process look like uh, again you have to have an awareness uh, for us I, I will say we have a team of about four people that are focused on end user enablement so everything from how do you use specifically you know our engineering software right. you know how do you set projects up appropriately how do you get them going Going, but also, how do we train? We also take a very strong look at what are our internal relationships beyond IT that we can leverage, like our communications department, right. like our HR departments, oh, our see. training so departments. Can help out with it's, some of the whenever you, especially when you're uh, doing an enterprise rollout of anything, it's a huge mistake for IT to take that on on their own. So um, you need to use the power of the corporate collective in that case and making sure uh, that you have everyone lined up to help you to be successful. I'm not sure if I answered your no, question. No, you're right. It's, yeah, it's, but, no, it's, a, <laughs> it's, it's, it's an effort that may not be strictly IT. 
It's not. In terms of training. It's not. As a matter of fact, one of my favorite things to do, like, uh, for example, we're doing a huge uh, program right here in at Dewberry where we're totally uh, evolutioning um, how we do procurement and how we pay our vendors. And so... How you get deals. Well, <laughs> yeah, how we pay for the deals. And how do we track that payment right. and all of that. And so uh, one of the very first things I wanted to make sure was whatever we're doing, whatever this program is called, let's make sure it's not called the IT product. It needs to have, what are we doing? Well, we're doing procure to pay. We're doing P to P. Procure to pay is the name of our initiative. Right. It's not, you know, the ERP engineering, you know, financial tool that's going to, that's like the kiss of death. I would say my big advice to any IT professionals out there, never name an initiative the tool that you're going to be delivering. Yeah. Because what you want to do is capture the imagination of everyone involved. You. you don't want to limit it. Yeah, you don't. Yeah. And then it's not all on IT anyways. Everybody's buying Everyone's it. bought into it, yeah. Yep, to the success of it. Here's actually, this one is, you're not an obviously a, one called a small firm, but this was a mm -hmm. question. Many small firms don't have the advantage of an in-house IT department. At what point do you think an ID department is needed, makes economical sense, and what are some of the pitfalls if they don't have one and they should be aware of? I mean, essentially, we do have a lot of small businesses right. that listen to the show. And, you know, what do you think is a rough size? I mean, that is a really tough question because it depends on what you're doing what you're from it. Yeah. Okay. And how much money you're spending. So okay. in economies of scale. So where can you apply economies of scale? Often what you'll see, and even in, in my IT department here, I would say 35 to 40 percent of my IT professionals were engineers in the line. Oh, wow. So okay. you often will have the talent. Uh, within your organization, and you, you probably know this already because you tap them to get things done. When something, you know, you go to Sally every time because Sally knows how to fix it, and right. but that's not her job, but she does know how to do it, so you use her superpowers there. Sure. So it gets to the point where Sally is spending more than 10% of her day or even probably more like 35% of her day doing IT work, then you might need to be thinking, okay, how much of this can I outsource? You want to outsource what you can before you, you make the investment in a true IT staff. So, for example, bringing in some help desk support, you can outsource that. Bringing in uh, server management and backups, you can outsource those functions so that you're not having a full-time staff to do it. Right. And then you have, like, maybe one person who's in charge of all that, and, and then it becomes an evolution. It's For me, it's a financial exercise right. uh, where you're looking at, you know, what am I expending from an IT resource? And you, you have to be smart enough to capture that up front. How much of Sally's time to how much are we spending on outsourced right. stuff to and make that evolution you track everything. when you know what the cost of yeah. an IT professional is um, and you can make that. So I'm very make business, that, business oriented. Yeah, so make, if, that make that investment right. when it makes financial sense to make that investment. Now, there are opportunity costs that, that go along with that um, that might not show up in your balance sheet. Right. Things like the goodwill of having your own human being that cares about you. That, right. And that goes a long way where an outsourcing that's a little right. more Right, having distance. someone in-house that knows what's right. going on, like you talk, like with yeah. your own philosophy, Absolutely. like understanding the business and knowing all that. Absolutely. So when you have a small firm, your leadership has to be savvy beyond just engineering. Got it. And another question that I think kind of ties into this a little bit, and I think you may have answered this already, you know, someone was asking, like, what's the biggest threat to engineering firms in terms of IT? I mean, you mm -hmm. talked a lot about security. Yes. Would you say that that's, I mean, I would imagine. It's huge. Kind of, and it's not just engineering. <clears throat> it's all over. Everywhere. All over. But I will say, because this is 
a huge passion of mine. So in IT, when it comes to cybersecurity, we often use the castle analogy of protecting your crown jewels. So first off, you need to make sure your crown jewels are in the most secure place in the castle. And then you have a you know you have your moat, which is your firewalls that are watching right. everything trying to come in and out. Yeah. You know, you have your drawbridge, which you let down only when you control when the drawbridge goes up and down. You right. have your turrets with the guys with the guns, you know, <laughs> shooting the bad guys, you know, taking out the malware when it happens, your antivirus software. So you have all you have your layers, right. your rings of security, and you want to make sure, and that's why I said it's so important to know where is your data. And then number two, data is ex it's expensive. Yeah. So, you know, how are you, just like you're a good steward with making a deal or executing and flawless execution, you also have to be good stewards around data. So when you're done with the project, let's archive it, okay? Let's get it off right. of, out of the data center. Right. And again, good part of the castle where it's nice and secure. We don't want anybody stealing our intellectual right, property. But, a but get it out of, you know, so data has what we'll call the slow area where you can keep it archived. We don't need to have access to it. But to do your job as an engineer, I want to make sure that data that you're getting to, you can get to super, super fast. Right. It's processing super, super yeah. fast. And so the more stuff you put in there and make it, you know, it's like your own digestive system. If you're going to eat a cheese pizza, how do you feel after that? Right. So we need to get the the, the gook out of the system so that we can keep it clean right. and running fast. And okay. so part of that security is understanding, especially for engineering firms, because it's all about big data. It's all about the data. It yeah. is all about the data. But I will also say the second part that's most important, and I call it basic hygiene. When it, We all have to practice basic hygiene. Hmm. Uh, so we all shampoo and put our deodorant right. on and brush our teeth every morning. So let's not click on emails. Let's not click on phishing things. You know, just our weakest link is everyone. So, um, <laughs> and, that's, that's not easy. and unfortunately, it's also our highest level of management. So we love to celebrate when we win something and we put it a press release out right, and right. we have so-and-so's name who won the deal. And then you're, then all of a sudden that becomes a target and that person mm. starts getting emails, right? Everything from vendors who want to partner with you, some right. contracting firms says, oh, hey, gosh. did you know I can help you execute this win that you did to the bad guys who are going to now send you enticing things right. like, hey. I delivered your Amazon package. It's sitting on your front door. And you're like, wait a minute. What did I order? Click. Now you've just, you know. So the press release is like, come to our castle. They ex that's Same. exactly <laughs> what it is. And oh, by the way, we left the back door open. So um, yeah. right. when the big threat is obviously the data. Big data. Is, big data is there. And, and basic hygiene. And the basic hygiene. Two things. Which is great. And the last question, which I, I realize this is like a whole other episode, but someone asked a question about it. So I just want to mention it here is, you know, artificial intelligence is obviously coming coming and it has it going to have an impact in our right. industry of course i mean right. we're seeing stuff with traffic and automated vehicles smart vehicles right again i don't want to go into detail on this but in sure. general obviously this is going to have an impact on it absolutely are there things that you are doing now or like you said before you know you kind of got to keep your ear to the ground what does that right. look like well there's a lot of things going through my head right now um for, especially from our last conversation whether it's security or it's the rest of your infrastructure, when it comes to disrupting technology, artificial intelligence, anything new that you're bringing in, right. you need to have 
a good infrastructure to handle it from an IT perspective. So again, it doesn't matter what it is, you know, whether it's, you know, uh, 511 technology or road sensors or you're bringing in data, you're bringing in something new into your environment. You need to make sure your environment can handle whatever, mm. whatever it is that you're bringing in. It's also helpful for engineering firms or any kind of high-tech firm where you have a specialized industry that you have those engineering type minds within your organization so that you have that understanding of what's happening right. um, in the world. So when you're looking, you can understand, can we, are we ever going to use that? Is this something that our customers would like? And you have to have those conversations with business leaders who are meeting with their customers every day. And they know what their customers are looking for. Sometimes our customers are behind us when it comes to right. technology and innovation, right. but sometimes they're not. And they're leading you know, decisions around technology. So mm. having that awareness, that's, again, a crucial partnership. But our biggest role is to be prepared for whatever happens out there. Doesn't um, matter what it is. Doesn't it matters. matter. It matters. Doesn't and matter. Engineers will appreciate this. You got to have a good structure. You got to have a good process. You got to have right. good guidelines in place. That's right. And then if you have that in order, as things come at you, you can flex and you can make That's adjustments. Right. But as long as you have a good foundation, absolutely, you'll be much better prepared for anything. Absolutely, it's key. All right, stick around. We're going to come back here in a minute, and we're going to put Lisa on the civil engineering hot seat for the last couple of few questions. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. All right, now it's time for our CE Hot Seat segment, which in today's episode is brought to you by our sponsor, PPI. Do you want to advance in your career but not sure where to start? All of us have been there at one point. One surefire way to grow in your profession is to get your civil engineering license. The best place to gather info on civil licensure and pick from multiple review options is ppi2pass.com. PPI has helped over 4 million engineers pass their licensure exam and become leaders in their fields. Visit ppi2pass.com to learn how you can start preparing for your exam right away and take one step closer to career advancement. That's PPI, the number two, pass.com. For a little extra encouragement, I have a 20% off promo code available to listeners of this podcast. Use promo code TCE and the number eight on PPI's website for an exclusive 20% discount. Again, that's promo code TCE and the number eight. All right, we're back here at Dewberry with Lisa Rogers, CIO. We had a really interesting conversation in terms of IT, but now we're going to switch gears and we're going to put Lisa on the hot seat and ask her a few questions about her own personal development. You ready? Sure. Let's do it. All right. So first question, are there any specific rituals that you practice every day? For example, do you have a specific morning ritual or lunchtime ritual that you do consistently on a daily basis that's contributed to your success? Yeah. Eat the frog. So um, you do the hardest things first, right. right? And I make sure I do it every single day and I try to get here early and go, okay, what's the thing that, you know, I don't want to do and just get do it, it done. Need to do get it. it done. Eat get that done. darn frog. And then um, usually the, I also prep myself the night before and I'll look at whether it's the week or the night before, you know, what do I have teed up for the next day? What do I need to do? So just get yourself in a mental place and then in the morning, so eat the frog. So you can come in and you can get going. Get going, eat the frog. I know exactly what I've got going, you know, what meetings to attend, what do I need to bring to the, what value am I adding? You know, all of that good yeah. stuff. Prep for that. No, that's I a great strategy. And you can think about that too, in terms of like your engineering career in, in 
I, what I always tell people is if you kind of eat the frog in, in the morning, yeah. everything else that happens is more or less a bonus yeah. and you can handle everything that's else, exactly but right. you got that out of the way. And by the way, that's a Mark Twain quote, just yeah. to give him, attribute that's that right. to him. I didn't make that up. <laughs> yeah, oh, <laughs> you're not aware, but yes. <laughs> no, it is, it's a good strategy because we all know in engineering, and I'm sure in mm -hmm. your line of business in IT, you, you get calls, right, all day. You oh, have to put out fires. So You have to be balanced, right. as I say. Balanced on both feet, flat on the ground, be ready for whatever's coming, whatever's at, coming you. at you. And just if I would say, especially in when you are you can be under fire, it's really important to have, like, just an inner calm and whatever's happening to have that listening ear and so you can get to whatever's going on really quickly so you can get to resolution. Yeah, and I think by eating the frog, you, it's easier because yeah. if you know your big things out of the way, That's it right. makes you feel a little bit more at ease that you've gotten that done. Exactly, you know? like our time together today. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, what is one book that you might recommend to people or just one book that you found to be extremely helpful for you in personal or professional development? I'm sure there's um, a bunch. There's actually a bunch, but I will say uh, First Break All the Rules. I wish I remember the author of it. Um, the Jim Collins series are, is wonderful. Good to great, yeah. great by choice, etc. A very interesting one. It's a forever read. And if you have kids and you've got soccer practice, I would say put it in the back of your car. And when you're waiting in the parking lot, you can just pull it out and read a couple pages at a time. Is Team of Rivals by uh, Doris Kearns. Um, hmm. It's about Abraham Lincoln and how he surrounded himself oh, yeah, with, with his, his enemies, with right? his enemies. Yeah. and so and me, I'm a very patient person. By the end, I'm like fire them already yeah. for goodness sakes. Um, but and it, I'm a historical buff too, so I okay. found it fascinating. So that's one that you know my kids get when they graduate from high school. You know, oh the places you'll go and team of rivals. So that's good. One and a big one. All right, some so. good options there. <laughs> all right, so two last questions. First of yeah. all, thinking back in your career in terms of managers that you've had. Right. We always like to ask, right. you know, not specific names, but if you were sure. to remember one that was maybe your favorite manager that stood out sure. for you, what was the reason they stood out? All right. That's a great question. I actually took seven years off to uh, stay home and raise my kids. Okay. So coming back into industry was scary. Gotcha. And I had a uh, person, her name is uh, Cynthia Mack, and she interviewed me at SAIC. And she looked at the things that I had done and said, you know, I really think you could run a, a program for me. I didn't even know what the program name was. Where I had just been in an interview with another person, I won't say their name, and who had looked at my resume and said, I don't even know, if, you know, you interview well, but I'm not sure if I can even get you in front of our client because of your gap uh -huh. in service. So lovely karma story. Much later, I ended up running that very large program and 90% oh, of that other guy's revenue for his whole company was coming through my program. Wow. And he worked for me. But so I just... be. <laughs> Life, little karma story, but but yes. Yeah, so she, her, it she was her. She took a chance. Yeah. She took a chance, and just her philosophy beyond that. It was um, she gave you enough rope to hang yourself, but she also gave you the liberty to do what you needed to do, and she wasn't afraid to challenge my thinking. So um, when it came to decisions I was making and and, and asked, like that. well, not at first, I was okay. especially when I was younger. Uh, what but you, you remember mean? that? What do you I mean I'm wrong? Yeah, why, yeah. Why are you questioning my decision making? But uh, actually, it I knew when I walked in there, it was going to be an intellectual conversation, and it made me better. It made me think harder around you know your, our own personal biases, our own personal hmm. decision making. Um, it was that check, but she did it in a way that was not threatening. That that was that I knew it was going to be a safe place right. for us to have that dialogue. It wasn't punitive; it was developmental. So I was very blessed to have her. That exchange was yep. really valuable. Absolutely. 
Great. All right. So last question here. If you were to get into an elevator with, let's say, a civil engineering professional at this point, okay. since it's a civil engineering podcast, and you've been here now, you've been working with civil mm -hmm. engineering professionals, and you had 30 to 40 seconds with them, and you had to give them some kind of advice in terms of their career, their development, what would that be knowing what you know now working in this field? I would say in life in general, I'm attracted to chaos, and so look for opportunity is everywhere. It's to your left, it's to your right. Find where things are swirling, and the minute the dust settles, that's where you go in, find the gaps, hmm. add value, and I've done that my whole career, and first off, it's super fun, and, and two, it's great adding value, and it's fun being in chaos, and then when you can make that better, just you look for those opportunities, and don't, whatever you do, don't wait for somebody to right. tell you what your career is, and I would say follow your joy. So, I call it the joy factor. All of our days are made up with things that we love and things that we hate. Make sure whatever your next job is, you're doing more of what you love and less of what you hate. Simple as that. That's perfect. Perfect way to end. All right, Lisa Rogers, CIO at Dewberry, thank you so much for coming uh, on the Civil Engineering Podcast. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, I hope that you enjoyed our first Civil Engineering Podcast episode of 2019. As I mentioned, we've got a big year ahead of us. Firstly, you can actually watch this entire interview of me with Lisa at the Dewberry headquarters if you go to our YouTube channel and just search for the Engineering Management Institute on YouTube. Also, I did get some really good feedback from listeners of the podcast, and I love when you send in your feedback. It, it makes me feel good to know that people are listening since I record this in a studio by myself. But we had some really, really great feedback on different episodes and different topics that we're going to be diving into. So if you have any specific topics, projects, people you think we should interview for the Civil Engineering Podcast, you can absolutely email me directly, afasano at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. I just want to give a shout out to one of our listeners, Evan. And Evan sent me some really nice thoughts about the podcast. He really enjoyed it. And he said, if I can make a suggestion, having listened to a number of your podcasts, one thing I'd like to see here more of is interviews with civil engineering clients and government engineers. The challenges CE clients face are generally different from consultants, and there are many PNs and PEs working in government who I'm sure would have stories to share. So again, that's a great piece of advice, and based on that, we're going to try to get some civil engineering clients on here, also some government engineers, which I think would be great. But again, send the advice in. would love to hear it. And lastly, remember, one of the things I'm excited about is our new assessment tool that we're going to be releasing in the middle of 2019 that will help you as an engineer determine your management potential today based on your current skill sets and then help you focus on where to improve. And how do we know your potential? Because we've done research, 300 podcast episodes, surveyed our mailing list, hired an analytics company and put it all together. And I'm going to be telling you about what we find throughout these podcasts coming forward here in 2019. So with that, remember you can find the show notes for this episode at civilengineeringpodcast.com, episode number 108. There you'll find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during this episode. Until next time, I wish you all the best in your civil engineering career endeavors. 
Thank you for listening to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Be sure to visit civilengineeringpodcast.com, where you can listen to past episodes and also submit your project to be featured on the show. We also invite you to visit our main website at engineeringcareercoach.com and download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, improve your communication and speaking skills, and also help to develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success.